Part One, Chapter Eight of Johnny Reb and Billy Yank by Alexander Hunter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bull Run to Washington, but twenty six miles. Not speaking from a partisan standpoint, nor yet straining the truth, in the Longstreet's first brigade there were three thousand one hundred and fifty men who could have marched to Alexandria that night. This brigade has been lying in the trenches for three days, with abundant rations, and had not walked a hundred yards, nor fired a gun at the enemy in all that time. What an irretrievable blunder was committed in not following up the retreat, an impartial history will decide. Generals Johnston and Beauregard affirmed that an advance to Washington would have been unwise, declaring they had no fresh troops to throw against the fast-fleeing enemy and yet by the official reports of the battle of bull run both of those commanders state that there were fresh troops which might have been used with such fatal effect general johnston says the apparent firmness of the united states troops at centerville who had not been engaged which checked our pursuit the strong forces occupying the works near georgetown washington and alexandria the certainty too that general patterson if needed would reach washington with his army of thirty thousand men sooner than we could and the condition and inadequate means of the army, in ammunition, provisions, and transportation, prevented any serious thought of advancing against the capital. General Beauregard says, It is proper and doubtless expected that my countrymen should be made acquainted with some of the sufficient causes that prevented the advance of our forces and prolonged vigorous pursuit of the enemy to and beyond the Potomac. An army which had fought as ours did on that day, against the uncommon odds under a July sun, most of the time without water and without food, except a hastily snatched scanty meal at dawn, was not in a condition for the toil of an eager effective pursuit of an enemy immediately after the battle, and the want of a cavalry force made the pursuit a military impossibility. In the same report from which the above extract is quoted, we learned the number of men who were fresh not so much as having fired a gun on the day of battle and whose sole duty it had been to guard the fords wings and communications of the army all spick and span and filled with fiery enthusiasm for the advance as for the general's assertion that it is a military impossibility for a victorious army to follow up a panic-stricken flying enemy without the aid of cavalry it is simply an insult to any soldier's common sense but if the statement of one so high in authority carries with it the weight of rank and experience, then with all due respect therefore, it may not be amiss to remember that Napoleon did not think so at Jena. Richmond was not of that opinion at Bosworth Fields, nor yet Gates when he followed up and forced the surrender of Bergeon's army. And to go back to the days of Joshua, that mighty man of war who subdued and smote the countries around about him, it is only necessary to recall the fact that cavalry was forbidden the children of Israel, to be quite sure the overtaking, the pursuing, the slaughtering of those neighboring nations was done by men on foot. The following is a list of the regiments that took no active part whatever in the day's fighting, merely lying in position, protecting the wings, guarding the fords, and watching the enemy. General Beauregard is again quoted. As before stated, two regiments of Bonham's brigade, the second and eighth regiments of South Carolina volunteers, and Kemper's battery, took a distinguished part in the battle. The remainder, 3rd, Williams, 7th, Bacon's, South Carolina Volunteers, 11th, Kirkland's, North Carolina Regiments, 6th, Companies of the 8th, Louisiana Volunteers, Shields's Battery, 
and one section of Walton's battery under Lieutenant Garnell, whether in holding their posts or taking up their pursuit, officers and men discharged their duty with credit and promise. All these troops were idle all the day of the 21st. General Beauregard goes on to say, Longstreet's brigade, pursuant to orders, prescribing his part of the operations of the center and right wing, was thrown across Bull Run early in the morning, and under a severe fire of artillery, was skillfully disposed for the assault of the enemy's batteries in that quarter, but were withdrawn subsequently in consequence of the change of plan already mentioned and explained. The troops of this brigade were the 1st Virginia, Major Skinner, 11th Virginia, Garland's, 24th Virginia, Lieutenant Colonel Houston, 4th North Carolina, Colonel Jones, and Whitehead's Company of Virginia Cavalry. Throughout the day these troops evinced the most soldierly spirit. Brigadier General Holmes, left with his brigade as a support to the same position in the original line of battle, had also been called to the left, whither he marched with the utmost speed, but not in time to join actively in battle. Walker's rifle-guns of the brigade, however, came up in time to be fired with precision and execution at the retreating enemy. Now adding the number of troops so shown to have been inactive, and we have, Longstreet's brigade, then full, not one of its companies having less than sixty men on the rolls, but at least, say, 1st Virginia Regiment, 500 men, 24th Virginia Regiment, 500 men, 17th Virginia Regiment, 865 men, 24th Virginia Regiment, 500 men, 5th North Carolina Regiment, 500 men, 2 Companies Cavalry, 150 men, total 3,015 men, part of Bonham's Brigade, 3rd Regiment North Carolina Volunteers, 600 men, 7th Regiment North Carolina Volunteers, 500 men, 11th Regiment Louisiana Volunteers, 500 men, 6 Companies 8th Louisiana Volunteers, 400 men, total 2,000 men. Ewell's brigade stationed at Union Mills, Hill's 13th Virginia Volunteers, 550 men, Holmes's brigade, 2,050 men, grand total, 7,615 men. It is here shown that there were 7,615 infantry who were not engaged in battle and ready to continue the pursuit, wild to advance. There were four batteries of artillery which had not fired a gun that bloody day, and who stood harnessed and ready at the word go. In all, eight thousand troops, according to Beauregard's own showing, who had been held in leash all that stirring time. Besides these, there were at least five thousand more who arrived on the field just as the battle closed, and could therefore have pressed the retreat, viz. 18th Virginia Infantry, Barksdale's Mississippi Regiment, Cox's Brigade, Early's 1st Maryland Volunteers, and others which were comparatively but little used, and who reached the field only to participate in the glory and not the stubborn contest. And so, with twelve thousand fresh troops at command, Johnston and Beauregard made the greatest military blunder on record, for with that force hotly fiercely pressing the retreat, none but a fugitive enemy would have reached the defenses in Washington. How history repeats itself! Here in the New World was a battle fought, the conditions, forces, the very ground nearly identical with one that decided the destiny of Europe, and as Talleyrand remarked, set back the march of civilization a hundred years. The English under Wellington, the old Iron Duke, occupied precisely our position, acting like us on the defensive, and repulsing with an inferior force, attack after attack, 
charge after charge, standing as a rock against the dashing, rushing billows, waiting for and hoping for night or reinforcements, striking back, giving blow for blow, and hanging to his ground with bulldog tenacity. At last Bletcher came to the one, as Johnston came to the other. Wellington advanced, Beauregard stopped his serried ranks, and went quietly into bivouac, allowing weeks and even months for the enemy to recruit its demoralized army, while there was not a moment's peace given to the flying French by the vengeful pursuing Prussians until they reached the defenses of Paris. Stuart had a hot argument with Beauregard when he issued orders to recall his cavalry. He often said afterwards that he wanted to flank Centerville and push on to Alexandria with his cavalry, but received peremptory orders to stop pursuit. End of Part 1 Chapter 8